y'all open up your Bibles to uh, Romans 14. Um, I know Josh has prayed. If y'all wouldn't mind, let's kind of want to pray again, if that's okay with y'all. So let's uh, let's pray real quick. Uh, Father, I just thank you so much for for your presence here. Like Josh said, Father, the the fact that you are um, both on your throne in heaven, uh, ruling over all things, uh, um, but just as fully here with us, uh, loving us, teaching us, caring for us. And so um, I just pray that uh, tonight as we open your word, that we know that your word is uh, profitable for teaching and for correction, and um, God's sharper than any two-edged sword. And so I just pray that, um, that Lord, you will just teach us, uh, that your spirit will be the one teaching, um, that, uh, that, Lord, tonight will just be uh, completely about you in every single way, uh, that we will come away uh, just seeing you more accurately and loving you more fully. So I just thank you so much for um, for your presence here and for what you're doing. Uh, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, so we're in Romans 14. If you notice, um, the last time I was up here, that is uh, the same passage I preached out of. And I'm not going to preach the same pa- uh, same message. Don't worry about that. Um, but we're going to kind of focus in a little bit on a particular part of that uh, of that that chapter that, uh, that I think is important for us. Um, what I want to talk about tonight is uh, is this idea of of submission to the Lord and and what that um, what that means. I think if you look at where we are as a as a church body, if you're a part of our church, um, where we've been over the last few months as far as teaching and our community groups. Um, there's been the kind of this underlying thing of like surrender or submission to the Lord. I think you know, Adam Zapp mentioned that uh, a couple of weeks ago in his sermon, towards the end, talking about that idea of surrendering uh, our wills to to the Shepherd. And so, um, so I think there's this, this this underlying theme we talk about in our summer community groups. We're going through this whole idea of, of stewardship, uh, stewarding you know our will, our time, our finances, our our giftings. Uh, and so un- underlying that, there's definitely that idea of like submission to the Lord, surrendering to the Lord. And so, um, so just this, this idea of submission, and I think if you look at just bigger picture, for those of us that, you know, maybe aren't a part of our church body, but just are, are Christians in general, the idea of submission to the Lord is, is, is foundational for us. I think it's, it's the way that we enter into a relationship with the Lord, um, recognizing that uh, we are separated from Him by our sin, that there's nothing that we can do to, to close that gap between us, and um, we trust in the work of, of Jesus and his death and resurrection, like we just sang about, and, and, and trust our lives, so we surrender our lives to him. So, so submission is a part of how we enter into relationship with the Lord, but, um, but Jesus calls us, uh, I think Josh preached a, a few months ago from, from Luke 9.23, that says, that if anyone would come after me, uh, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And so, that's a, a daily call for us, is that idea of submission and surrender to the Lord. And so, um, so I think it's important for us to maybe uh, to see that uh, accurately, because I think if you look at like the world around us, and I think even I think when I for some of y'all when I mention the word submission, something kind of like, grows up in you, and uh, I think that's that's natural and that's expected. I think especially when we look at um, the way that submission is viewed um, within the world, I think. 
Submission a lot of times is viewed as weakness, and it's viewed as a negative thing. Um, you can look at it anywhere from like the sports world where you know mixed martial arts is a big uh, thing right now with that whole UFC, and so you, you get submitted, and that's how one of the ways that, that you uh, defeat your opponent. You know, submission is not a desirable thing. But I think just in general, I think in our culture when we talk about submission, it, it kind of uh, people push back against that, um, and so. And that's for various reasons. Some for, like, we'll, we'll talk about some of those reasons in a little bit. But, um, but I think it's hugely important for us as believers, as Christians, as those who are following the Lord, to understand like this idea of submission to the Lord, surrender to Him, and, and maybe see that uh, in the way that I think the Lord intends for us to see it. So, um, so let's uh, let's look at this passage. I'm going to read. Um, let's start in verse five, and we'll. Go through verse 9, and then we'll talk a little bit about the passage itself. So, uh, verse 5 says, One person esteems one day is better than the other, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live... We live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived, again, so that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. And so um, so we look at the passage. I'm going to kind of give a, just a brief like, context of, of what this passage is about. We won't spend a ton of time talking about uh, these verses in the context of the passage, but I want to kind of get you all on board with kind of where this is coming from. So Paul is writing to the church in Rome. He is um, talking to the Roman church. And the Roman church is, is composed of a group of people, two groups of people. He said, there's a group of people that are the Jewish Christians who grew up uh, Jewish, grew up following uh, these traditions and these rules and everything and uh, as a way of pursuing the Lord. And then you have what's called the Gentile Christians, which these were pretty much not people that weren't Jewish. So they didn't grow up with these same rules. And so these people are together in a community of faith. Both have trusted Jesus uh, for salvation. And so they're living together, and arguments have come up about certain things. Um, you know, some, you know, it mentions in verse 5 is esteeming one day is better than the other. Um, some of that people do that to mean the, the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath. Um, uh, some food, probably some food laws, arguments, whether you can eat certain foods or not. Basically, there has been, like, division that's come in um, to this church because of arguments over these things. These things weren't foundational things to the faith, and they weren't things that um, uh, would um, deny, like, you know, the fact that Jesus was God, that he rose, uh, rose from the dead, all that, all that stuff. They weren't foundational stuff. They were just more um, ideas about how you pursue the Lord. And so what Paul is doing is he's uh, addressing this, and he uses this idea of submission, which is much more than, uh, than just not arguing about, like, certain uh, laws or certain ways of pursuing the Lord. Like he kind of uses this foundational argument to address that. And so um, what I want to do is maybe look, like I said, look a little bit more closely at the submission, especially in light of, I think the way that Paul goes about it is he, he talks about it in light of the authority of the Lord over us and then challenges us to see that authority through the, through the cross of, uh, of Jesus and his resurrection. So that's kind of the direction we're heading um, tonight. So, um, so anyway, let's, let's look back at verse 7. So, verse 7 says, For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. So, so Paul starts off um, his uh, plea to them by saying, like, life and death are not about us. Um, you know, none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. Life and death aren't about us. And so, um, 
he uses these two, like the two main events of our, li- our time here on earth, our life and our death, to teach something about, um, about submission. So we'll look at death. Death is one of those things that makes us like, look at, at life differently. Um, death is one of those things that uh, influences the way we see our, our time here on earth. Death kind of allows us to see that you know, we're, we're not going to be here forever. Um, we're, we're confronted with that, with that fact that we're not going to be on this earth forever. And it makes us think about um, uh, what is this life about. Um, and the way, we, the way we answer that question influences the way we, uh, we act in this life. And so if, if death is all there is, then you're going to live this life very differently. Uh, you're going to live life in a way that's just going to be self-centered, yeah. Um, but as Christians, we, we believe that, that there is more to there's more to it than just death, and you're done. Um, we believe that there is something else, and so that invites us to look at this life very differently. Um, and so when we hear the fact that, like, yeah, death challenges to look at life differently, and we, we hear Paul talking about, you know, life's not about you, kind of want to take a little, a little sidestep and, and maybe talk about what that, that doesn't mean. So when you hear life isn't about you, I think that can bring in some negative, some negative things. And so when we hear life, life's not about us, Here's what that doesn't mean. Life not being about us doesn't communicate anything negative about our value. Um, and in fact, actually, and we'll see this in a little bit, it communicates something far greater than, than what we tend to think of as, as our value. So life not being about us does not communicate anything negative about our value at all. Um, it doesn't diminish the, the stuff that we go through in life. It doesn't diminish the hard times in our lives. Um, life not being about you doesn't mean just, you know, pull up your bootstraps, get through it, um, get through the tough times because it really doesn't matter. Like, that's, that's not all what, what we're talking about here. Um, life not being about us doesn't communicate that we don't care for ourselves. You know, we don't care for ourselves physically. We don't care for our, ourselves emotionally. We don't care for ourselves uh, spiritually. And so life not being about us uh, does not mean those things. And I think that we probably would all recognize that and admit that. But I think they're also, I think when you hear that thrown around in some of our conversations and everything, there's some of those negative implications that can be taken. So I don't want us to go to that end. Um, but what, what life not being about us does mean is that it challenges us to, uh, to see things differently. It challenges us to, to see life from a different perspective. Um, and actually, it challenges us to, to see life through a more accurate lens. kind of roots us more in reality. And uh, so just want to, yeah, just want to make that clear, that when we talk about life not being about us, like, that's what we mean, like, challenging us to see the bigger picture. Um, so, Paul's pushing us to, to realize that life is not about us. He goes on to, in verse 8, to, um, to maybe clarify what he's talking about. So, verse 8 says, For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. So, this verse gives us a little more context to, to, to read into that verse 7. So, um, so life isn't about us. Verse 8, we live and we die to the Lord. Um, and life and death, we are the Lord. So life is not about us. Life is about him. And so I think what Paul does in these verses is he kind of roots us in reality. Like he roots us in some important truths about the, the reality of us as Christians, as creations, as those who are created by God, as children of God. And these are, these are realities that are inescapable for us. Like these are hardcore-like truths. And so, um, so I think he... You know, we can gain three, like, three truths from this. The fact that, that God is, is sovereign over our lives. Uh, the fact that he is completely in control. When we say sovereign, we mean 
he's in control of our life and our death. The fact that, um, that he has ownership over our life and our death. Um, so he owns us in life and in death. And the, the fact that um, he gets to dictate our, uh, our purpose. And so, um, so I want to kind of explore those a little bit and, uh, and maybe just look at a little bit about what, what we're talking about when we talk about that. Um, so God, first truth is God is sovereign over life and death. So God is in control of our life and death. We hear that talked about. I think if you've been, if you've been in church for any amount of time, you'll probably agree that, yeah, I agree with that. Um, but, uh, but I think we need to push into that a little bit and maybe understand uh, what, that, what that means. So, um, so the fact that life, and life is not about us, you see that talked about throughout the, the Old Testament. You see that talked about throughout numerous passages in the New Testament. Uh, an example from Proverbs, it says that a man's mind plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Um, so we see this, this idea throughout Scripture that, that ultimately with, with, with our lives, like, that we are not in control. Now, um, what that doesn't mean is that it doesn't mean that our choices don't matter. And if you go back to, I think Josh did an incredible job a few, a few uh, weeks ago of, of talking about that tension between, you know, God's, in, God's sovereignty and our, and our will. And so um, when we talk about God being in control, yes, God is completely in control. Uh, he is in control, control of outcomes. He's in control of, uh, of, of everything that goes on in this life. But our choices do definitely matter. Uh, we, can't, we can't escape that. Our choices have consequences. They, um, they do matter. Um, Dallas Ward talks a lot about um, the effort is ours and the outcome is his. And so we have to recognize that within our lives, like, yes, God is completely in control, and yes, our choices matter. Um, but I think there comes a point when all of us, like, come to that realization that no matter how hard we've tried at something, no matter how uh, well we've done, um, our efforts don't secure the desired outcomes that we have. And so we come a, it comes a point when we ultimately realize that, like, ultimately life is out of our hands. Um, we, we are not in control of every single event in our life, and we can't secure outcomes in the way that we want them to, to, to come about. And so, so, we, so we, we get rooted in that truth, the fact that our, our life is to the Lord. And then also, if you look at death, death kind of like reminds us of that fact, too, that we are not in control of, of death. And I think that does it in a couple ways. Um, you look at uh, the fact that we're not in control of like, like the timing of our death. I know that's kind of grim to talk about, but like we're not in control of that. Like ultimately, we don't know the time and the place and all that stuff. So death kind of reminds us that that's that's out of our hands as well. Um, but also, if you look at just the bigger picture, like our our eternity is kind of out of our hands. Now, when I say that, um, uh, I say that there is nothing, no action that we can do on earth that can secure our eternity with the Lord. Now, as Christians, we believe and we trust, and it's a confident and a hopeful and a, and a very confident trust that that our eternity is secured by our our faith in, in Jesus and His his death and resurrection, but if we look at, like, our control over where we spend eternity, like, ultimately, that's in the Lord's hands. The, Paul talks about the fact in, in verse 12 of that same chapter that, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God, and uh, in verse 10, he says, for we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, and so ultimately, our eternity is in the Lord's hands. Um, so, like I said, as Christians, we have a very confident trust that, um, that our eternity is secure, uh, but ultimately, it's in the Lord's hands. Um, so we look at the, like I said, Paul reaches in that reality first. Um, the second part of verse 80 says that, um, so then whether we live or whether we die, that we are the Lord's. So uh, that idea that he has possession over us. He is, we are owned by the Lord. And so if you look at that, we are, we are his creation. So obviously that implies definitely some ownership. Uh, that, that as his creation, uh, that he owns us. 
Um, and you look at the fact that the Bible talks about we were purchased at a price. And so um, the fact that Jesus' death uh, further claimed ownership on us um, and released us from that bondage to sin. So, so we, we get rooted in the fact that like in life and in death, like we are owned by the Lord, um, that we are his. And when you look at when we own something, we're also entrusted with the care of, of that thing. So if you look at our lives, the things that we own, like we are entrusted with their care. The fact that we are owned by the Lord, like we uh, are, in, we are under His care um, with with our lives, and so, um, so, so yeah, we're owned by the Lord, and I, and I think that, like that 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 wording kind of maybe produces a little bit of weirdness in our heads, and we're going to address that a little bit, but but that's reality for us. Like we are owned by the Lord, uh, we are His creation, and we were bought with a price. So as as we walk forward in our relationship with Him, like we are owned by Him. Um, so he is, he is in control of our lives. He is in control of our life and death. He owns us in life and in death. Um, third thing I think that uh, we, can get from, we can get from that verse is the fact that like, because he owns us and because he created us, he dictates our purpose. So the, the reality that like, our purpose is dictated by him, and our purpose, when we talk about uh, our, our time here on earth, is, is, is the fact that we were created to, to glorify the Lord. And so when you when you hear that word glorify, it's definitely one of those church words that I think gets definitely gets thrown around, and it's a beautiful word to describe it. When we talk about glorifying, we're basically talking about um, something that like evokes uh, like praise or awe. Um, and, I, and I think if you look at it in the definition of what we just talked about, like why our, what our purpose is, our purpose is to point to something bigger, point to the character and the and the beauty and the the um, the, the incredible love of, of the Lord. And so. Like our our purpose here on earth is not to not to go about living life for ourselves. And I know, I know this is nothing new for us, but like I said, I think it's important for us to to understand where we are. Um, our purpose is not to uh, live for ourselves, but to to point people back to Him. I think we can kind of get a, a little bit of a, a it's an imperfect analogy, but I think if you look at um, like paintings and, and artists um, or any kind of like creative work, um, there the the artwork itself produces in us, if it's something that is, is beautiful or something that produces this, this awe within us, that awe not only speaks to the painting, but it speaks more so to the talent of the, of the artist. And so you think you, you can connect the dots of that analogy and see, as people look at our lives, there should be something about our lives, good and, like, both through the good and the bad, that points people back to a bigger reality than, than, than us. And, uh, and so this is the case with our life. This is the case with the way we die. Um, this is the case with every single aspect of our time here on earth. It is, it is like God created us not to, to point people to how, how awesome we are, but to point people back to, uh, to him and to his, to his love and his mercy. And like I said, that should be something that produces all and, and gives people a more accurate picture of, of who he is. So we begin to see the reality that we live in. We, we live in the reality that we are, uh, our lives and our, our, our life and death is, is under the control of the Lord. We live under the reality that we are owned by him um, in life and in death. And we live under the reality that, uh, that we are created uh, to point people back to him. So that's, that's, that's the reality that we live in. And I think if you took a step back and looked at that, the, the natural response to that would be, would be humility. Um, there would be this humble recognition that, that we are God, and that he is God and that we are not. And, uh, and I think that's a healthy, uh, a healthy response and should be enough when we look at our lives in light of that. But, but I think uh, when you 
when you look at those things, I think there, there is some resistance that kind of rises up in us. Um, I think probably even talking about some of that stuff, there's just some resistance that maybe rises up in some of us when we hear some of those things. And like, like I said, the, the whole word submission produces some of that. But I want to look at a couple, a couple of ways that we may resist to that. One um, is just through pride, and that's that natural tendency we have towards you know, self-centeredness, uh, self-sufficiency, wanting to be able to control things. And I think a lot of us like, like control. I'm, I definitely fall in that category. Um, I don't like to be out of control. And I think a lot of us fall into that where we want to be in control of things. We want to be in tr- control of our lives. We don't want bad stuff to happen. And that, that's okay. Like, it's natural. But, but we want control. And sometimes we hold very tightly to things um, uh, and walk forward sometimes in disobedience because of the fact that, uh, that we want control over things. And so... Um, that comes from our, you know, our, our inherent like sin nature, uh, the nature that we were born with. That the Lord has is renewing in us and is is transforming within us. Um, we get this from the world, you know. The, like I talked about earlier, the the fact that you know you hear it talked about all the time that you know if you work hard enough, you can you know you can secure the desired outcomes. You hear athletes get on TV and say, you know, you can achieve anything that you want. Just put your mind to it. And I think we'd realize that that's probably not a blanket statement that we can say, but. But we like, we like control, and we get the fact that control is good from, from the world. And so, so that's one res- area of resistance is that whole, like, I want to control my life. I want things to go like I want them to, and I, I, I want things to, to be okay all the time. And so, so yeah, so pride is one area. Um, if you look back at the Romans 14 passage, another area of resistance is this whole, like, fear of man, approval-seeking uh, uh, behavior that we want others to like us. We, don't, we want to avoid conflict sometimes. And so you look at the, the passage in Romans, you see the, the fact that people were acting in ways differently than what their convictions were telling them to based off of the judgments of others. So they were pursuing the Lord in some different ways, contrary to what they felt like the Lord was, was leading them to pursue them, based off of the judgment of others. And so I think we, we a lot of times can see examples in our lives where the approval from other people has led us to do things that we know probably has not been, been good for us and, and definitely know that we're walking in disobedience with the Lord. And so, so that whole, like, fear, man, fear of other people, we're, you know, wanting the people to like us, wanting, like, holding people's opinions at a very high level, higher than, than, than the Lord's. And so that's another natural area, I think, of resistance that can pop up, especially when we hear the word submission to the Lord. Um, another area of tension and resistance that can pop up is a, a faulty view of authority and submission that we can get just from examples in our own lives. I know a lot of us are working and, and are in the workforce, and so I think you know, some of us have, have bosses who um, uh, just display this really poor example of, of authority where, um, where they, uh, we are forced to do things that uh, we, we may know are wrong or we, are, um, uh, we walk in fear of disappointing them and fear of getting them angry, and they, they lash out at us every time we make a mistake. And so... Uh, we get these faulty views of authority. Some of us, we grew up in households that were like that, where um, we got the do this or else uh, treatment, and and we uh, walked. Author- a submission means walking forward in, in fear, uh, and so some of us have that 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 baggage from personal experiences, and, and and because of that, we transfer that to the Lord, and so we we transfer a lot of those personal experiences and the ways that humans treat us, and we transfer that to the Lord. That happens with all of us, and so we. We, we get this faulty view of God and faulty view of his authority. Uh, some of it, can, like I said, can be due to examples in our own life. Some of it can be due to poor teaching in the church. Um, 
So we get this idea of this authority, and a lot of times it turns into this fear or guilt-based thing um, that can lead us to either like disobey completely and just walk the other way, um, or it can lead us to walk forward in that fear uh, or guilt and not out of a, a different response. Um, so you can kind of see how talking about those realities that we talked about, that we are, that God's in control, that he owns us, and that we were created not to glorify ourselves, but glorify him, how that can kind of create some natural resistances to that. And so what I think is beautiful is that, like, uh, Paul doesn't stop there. And that, like, Jesus, like the, the Lord's authority over us doesn't stop at the whole idea that he is God and we are not. Um, we, get, we get to see a little bit deeper in that, and uh, we see that in verse 9. So let's, let's look at verse 9. It says, uh, For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord, both of the dead and of the living. So Jesus' death and resurrection changes the way that we see that authority. Uh, it, it, it may not change, is not a good way to put it. It, it deepens the way we see that authority, and, it, and it, it produces a response in us that's very different from the guilt or the fear-based response that, that sometimes comes naturally to us. And so what I want to do is just look at some ways that, uh, that Jesus' death and resurrection uh, changes that. Um, look at first the the authority that that death and resurrection displayed. So Jesus Jesus' death and his resurrection displayed and confirmed uh, and displayed in some very powerful ways his authority over anything that can harm us. And so we look at the fact that he has authority over us individually, um, and then we see the fact that he has authority over over those things that can harm us. That changes the way we see his authority. Um, we look at the fact that his death and resurrection um, uh, showed his authority over evil. Uh, you look at Colossians 2.15. I think Nate has that. You can you'll turn to it. But it says that uh, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So his cross, through his cross, uh, through his death and his resurrection, he disarmed the rulers and authorities. So all the evil powers. He disarmed Satan. He his his death and resurrection put a uh, very clear and a very tangible uh, reminder that Satan's time is limited, um, and that he has no ultimate power over us. That he has no longer has the authority to condemn us. Um, that he uh, cannot ultimately harm us. Um, that even the the fact that yes, Satan has has been given time here on earth where he has some influence. Like that influence is only allowed of him by by the Lord, and so. That we have, like, he has authority over that. So nothing we can face, no attack, no condemnation, has any basis uh, for causing us to fear, um, to fear ultimate harm. So his authority, his death and his resurrection confirmed and showed his authority over 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 evil. Um, it uh, displayed his authority over sin. Uh, the fact that as Christians, that we are no longer in bondage to sin. Um, that we are no longer slaves to this sin. Um, the fact that we are no longer uh, going to remain in our sin. That's, that our, when we look at our lives and see the things that, that we don't like, um, that we no longer have to be hopeless in the midst of those things, that his, his uh, death and resurrection pointed to the power that he has over even our flesh, um, that, that he is transforming us daily into his likeness, that he um, turns uh, even our most sinful acts into good, and that he uses those to transform us more and more into his likeness. And so um, the fact that the, the sins that were done to us, um, that he uses those to transform us into his likeness. And so there is no fear 
of sin's power over us at all. And so uh, we see the fact that like, we have no reason to fear the ugliness that sometimes we see in ourselves. Um, so we don't fear evil, and we don't fear sin. Um, his death and resurrection also uh, display his authority over, over death, uh, over our death. Um, death no longer has that sting that it did, that we can we look back at verse 8, that the fact that he owns us in both life and in death, that death no longer has that fearful component to it um, because we know, as Paul talks about, that death is gain, that to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so we know that, uh, that dying means spending eternity with our good and gracious God who um, at which time we will be free from every sin, free from every uh, effect of sin. And so death is no longer feared. Death is no longer feared for us. So we can walk forward in confidence of the rea- that reality that he has authority over us and that he has authority over evil, over sin, and over death. Um, so that's pretty, pretty incredible. And that, and that alone right there changes the way we see his authority over us. That changes the way we respond to that authority. It changes the way we submit to that authority. Um, but that's, that's not all. Um, what we get to see on the cross, not only do we see the authority over all those things, we see the character behind that authority. We see the fact that um, on the cross, we see that self-sacrificial love of the Lord uh, on the cross. The fact that he was willing to come to earth in the, in, in the form of a human form, uh, live life on this earth with, uh, with all the, the pain that's involved with that. Um, willingly submit himself to, to die. We see him in the Garden of Gethsemane, um, uh, sweating blood because he knew what was coming, um, but willingly submitting to the Father's plan for, for us, um, suffering on the cross, um, and this all for, peop- for people who are considered his enemies um, because we were in bondage to sin, because we were separated from him in sin like we were considered enemies. And you see that love that he had even on the cross, people jeering at him, mocking him, scoffing him, um, looking at them saying, Father, forgive them. And so we see that self-sacrificial love, that willingness to come and suffer. Um, it's incredible. And that, that changes the way we see his authority over us and our submission to him. Um, we see him uh, after he arose and before he left. Um, we see the fact that that authority is combined with his presence. Um, and the Great Commission, he is talking to his disciples, and he said that uh, sandwiched in between the command to go and, and make uh, disciples of all nations, he says that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So along with that self-sacrificial love um, and that authority, he is like constantly with us, um, never leaving us. Um, it's pretty cool. Uh, you look at the last couple of weeks we uh, like with the guys that have been preaching, we get to see further into that character. We, you know, Zap talked about him being the good shepherd um, from Psalm 23, the fact that he leads us to waters of rest and uh, he walks us through valleys of the shadow of death um, to the point where we can fe- we, have, we fear no evil. Um, we see uh, Adam talking about last week that um, that he is a God who welcomed us um, when we had no home. Uh, that ultimate display of love when we were enemies. So that hospitality that he showed us when we didn't deserve it. Um, we see you know, Joel talking about the fact that our sin doesn't need to push us away in guilt, but God convicts us, uh, and that conviction is a drawing to himself and, and not pushing us away in guilt or fear. And so we see like, evidence of that character um, all over the place. 
that character combined with uh, with his authority, and so uh, that that changes the way we submit. That changes the way we see submission. That changes the way that we see his authority. Um, uh, that produces in us. The more we come to understand those things, that produces in us some some pretty cool things. That definitely produces in us that humility that I talked about. Um, there should be like a healthy recognition that we are not God and that life is not about us and that he is in control and that he owns us and that, uh, that we were created for something more than pointing people to ourselves. Like there's a, there's a healthy humility in that, but that humility stands with a love for the Lord. As we come to understand his love for us, that produces uh, an increased love for him and in our lives and in our hearts. And so that pushes us forward in our pursuit of him. And so as we dwell on those truths, there's that he, he draws us to himself. He, he un- helps us understand how, how deep his, his love is for us. And we, we continue to push forward as a response of, of love. And we submit as a response of love. And along with that, there's, that there's, a, there's a trust component that comes in. And we see the fact that he has authority over evil. He has authority over sin. He has authority over death. Um, that, that he is caring for us as, uh, as he owns us. is caring for all of our, uh, all of our needs and um, and we can trust that because of the fact that we see his love. We see the fact that he suffered and, and died for us. Uh, we see evidence of that um, in our lives. So we come to trust in submission. Um, that trust leads us to action. It leads us to be able to, to walk forward in the stewardship stuff we were talking about. That, that leads us to, to walk forward in uh, and loving others, it gives us the freedom to love others. Uh, it's, it gives us the freedom to die to ourselves, die to that, that selfish nature. Because we know that we are in the hands of an of a all-powerful, all-loving God. Um, so, as we, as we hear those responses, I think, and this is kind of where we'll, where we'll close. Um, like those, those responses, those should be our response. Like, definitely... Uh, those are responses that are growing in us, but also like realize, and I, especially as I was going through this, that there are definitely like resistances to this in my life. I know that there are resistances to this in in, in all of our lives out there. Um, some of us there's probably more than others uh, based off of experiences we've had um, or whatever, where uh, we just we just have trouble seeing submitting to His authority as a good thing, and uh, and so for whatever wherever we're at. Um, we, the answer is not to like, run away in like guilt or fear. Um, the answer is to uh, to sit on those truths like even more, knowing that like the resistance that we have, He has complete authority over them. The fact that um, the sin that we see in our lives, He has authority over that and is loving us and wants us to to um, like He is for us, and so He is transforming us. The fact that um, the experiences that we've had, he is he has authority over those, and he turns those into good. And so I think the response for us tonight is to yeah, like like let him show you where those resistances are. Like let him allow you to see those resistances, but but also, and so we'll pray this in a second. But like that you will believe like what he says about him and what he says about you, and and that that those will uh, will be. Like more and more true, and will the belief in those things will far outweigh the any baggage that we have or any resistance that we have. Like we can come to him with confidence, knowing that he is pushing us forward, 
and he has victory over all those things. And um, so, yeah, let's uh, we're gonna spend some time uh, singing um, in light of some of that stuff, and just let the Lord like just remind Himself of of who He is and and who you are, and uh, and root you in some of those truths and. And trust him that wherever you're at in this process, that um, as we walk forward in obedience, like he is completely faithful to, to accomplish his purposes. So, um, yeah, let's pray. Um, Father, I thank you so much just for the reality of, um, of your love for us. Um, the reality that, Lord, that we are not uh, in control. The reality of the fact that... Um, as uh, as your children, as your creation, that you own us and that you care for us in every way. Thank you for the reality that um, that you have authority over us, but you also have authority over anything that can harm us. Um, and Lord, I just pray that we will walk forward uh, tonight. Um, God, whatever you're working in each of us, whatever areas of resistance is that you're working, um, Lord, I just pray that we will walk forward in confidence, not in our ability to get there, but in your ability to be faithful and your faithfulness. Um, Lord, I thank you that submission is not bondage, uh, that submission is freedom. It's freedom from uh, having to uh, carry the weight of our choices around, Father, the weight of, our, of securing our future. It's freedom, from, uh, it's freedom to love others without uh, worrying about caring for ourselves. It's, it's the freedom to walk in complete and total trust with you, knowing that, um, that you love us, you know us intimately, you know, us, you know the good and the bad, and that... Uh, that you are transforming us and that you have authority over us in, in every way. So I just thank you for that truth. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you're doing, uh, both in this church and in the, in the world around us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.